0: Good morning again. Welcome to Prairie View Christian Church. Thanks for joining us here today. So January is always a good time to rethink old priorities and to establish new practices. And I assume that many of us have made New Year's resolutions. For example, maybe you plan to lose weight, save more money, read more books, learn to cook, or stop smoking. And considering it's January 2nd, hopefully you have not failed yet in your New Year's resolutions. Now, those are all worthy goals. But how often do we take this opportunity, this time of year, to consider the priorities and practices that are unique to us as followers of Jesus? Now, of course, Bible reading plans are popular around this time of year. And I would certainly encourage you to try one out, and could even give you some recommendations. But outside of that, are there any other new habits that we Christians ought to strive to implement in the new year? Well, the answer, of course, is yes. And if it wasn't, this would be an awfully short sermon. So that's why, once every few years, we make a point to revisit some of the classic time-tested, biblically-warranted, and God-ordained Christian spiritual disciplines. These are the regular habits that generations of believers have used to grow in their knowledge of God, their love for God, and their obedience to God. These spiritual disciplines are not intended to be burdensome chores, or an exercise in jumping through hoops reserved for stern-faced monks. God has given these tools to all of his people for our growth and for our good. Dallas Willard writes that a spiritual discipline is when the dust of history is blown away Nothing more than an activity undertaken to bring us into more effective cooperation with Christ and his kingdom. Richard Foster writes, God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. And finally, Donald Whitney says, The spiritual disciplines are those practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Over and over again, Whitney stresses that the main purpose of the spiritual disciplines is godliness. We want to grow in godliness. So, over the next six weeks, we're going to examine six different spiritual disciplines that God has laid down for us, starting with prayer. We don't do these things so that God will love us. We do them because He already does love us, and we long to love Him more deeply in return. And as it turns out, the Christian faith is not just a matter of believing something in our heads. Confessing something with our mouths or feeling something with our hearts. It's something we live out on a daily basis. The spiritual disciplines are the meat and potatoes of spiritual growth, not just when you're here on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. Feel free to follow along If you need to, feel free to use a Bible that we have. Take one of those Bibles home. We will happily pay a few dollars to replace a chair Bible so that you can start reading the Bible in 2022. But before we go any further, let's pray together as a church. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time that we've had together and that we will have together the rest of this morning. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity to be in your word. Thank you for the opportunity to hopefully uh, get back in the swing of things. As Chris mentioned, uh, this is the time of year that we all get thrown off with holidays and vacation days and who's working and who's not and what's open and what's closed. and It can be a little disorienting, but Lord, thank you for Sunday morning, that every Sunday morning at the same time, at the same place, we are worshiping you. And so I pray that our worship would be honoring to you and good for us this morning. And I pray that you would be with us as we examine these time-tested ways that we can grow in our love for you, grow in our knowledge of you, and grow in our obedience to you. I pray that you would give us open hearts and open minds and open ears to what your word has to say. Help us embrace the challenge of spiritual disciplines. That word discipline has... At times, some negative connotations to it, but Lord, help us rise to the occasion to practice spiritual disciplines because we love you and because you love us. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would implement these things into our lives for our good and ultimately for your glory. So Lord, again, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this church. Lord, we love you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Genesis 1 and 2, Adam and Eve had a great, close, personal relationship with God. But then in Genesis 3, they sin against God, alienating themselves from him. Ultimately, Adam and Eve are kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Though God does seem to have a plan in mind to return them to his presence. But then in Genesis 4, things don't go so well. Adam and Eve's son, Cain, kills his brother, Abel. Apparently, things will get worse before they get better. But then at the end of chapter 4, there's this interesting verse, almost made in passing. It says this, verse 26. At that time, people began to call upon the name God. Of the Lord. Now, what's so important about Genesis 4.26? Well, some might call this the first prayer in the Bible. But what exactly is prayer? Well, to put it simply, prayer is calling on the name of the Lord. Prayer is what happens when a human being understands That there is a God who is not us, and then looks up seeking an audience with Him. Prayer can take the form of asking for help, offering worship, confessing sin, thanking God for His provision, or even expressing confusion and frustration. J. Gary Millar defines prayer as asking God to fulfill His promises. That's simple. Asking God to fulfill his promises. Tim Keller calls prayer. Both a conversation and an encounter with God. He writes that prayer is a verbal response of faith. To a transcendent God's word and his grace. A personal communicative response. To the knowledge of God. So what is prayer? Calling on the name of the Lord. Okay, but why do we pray? What's our motivation? Well, we pray because we know enough about God to trust that he is gracious and merciful and as a result, might just answer that prayer that we offer. I mean, think about it. After Adam and Eve sinned, What was stopping God from cutting off humanity's communication with Him entirely? The answer is nothing. Even after the fall in Genesis 3, this act of rebellion against God, men and women in Genesis 4 call on the name of the Lord. And the rest of the Bible tells us that He hears. We pray because we believe. We pray because we know that God is gracious and merciful. From the earliest pages of scripture, we see that God is working to finally redeem humanity from our sin. And he welcomes our prayers while we wait. So we call upon the name of the Lord. Because we know that God is gracious and merciful to hear us. But before we move forward, it's worth asking, because this does not go without saying, who do we pray to? We pray specifically to the Lord. Those two words in Genesis 426 are not just some broad, vague reference to some idea or experience or force that may be called God. The Lord is a personal name. We call upon the God of Adam and Eve, the God of the Old and New Testaments, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Christian scripture has no room for other gods at all. Perhaps the most famous example comes from 1 Kings 18, where the prophet Elijah prays to his God and is answered, while false prophets pray to a false God who is silent. We don't just call on anybody. We call on the Lord and no one else. When we pray, there is only one God worthy of our prayers. There is only one God who is capable of hearing and answering our prayers, and that is the Lord. But what else should we learn about prayer? We'll turn to a couple parables of Jesus. This is Luke 18, starting in verse 1. Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. The Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So how do we pray? Well, that parable tells us that we pray persistently. Like the widow in this story, we do not give up when our prayers are not answered when and how we would like. As if God is somehow unhearing uncaring, or unable to act. None of those things is true. We pray and we do not lose heart. Now it is important to note that the lesson of this parable is not that if we just nag God enough, we might twist his arm into doing what we want him to do. The point is that if even an unjust and unrighteous judge will eventually hear a poor widow's request, then how much more will a good, gracious, and merciful God hear the prayers of his children? So until Christ returns, we pray persistently. We pray faithfully. Go on to verse 9, a second parable that also pertains to prayer. Will be exalted. So we pray persistently, but we also pray humbly. We pray humbly. When we approach God, we do not assume that there is anything intrinsic to us that makes us worthy of His attention. Likewise, we do not pray to impress other people, elevate ourselves above other people. Maybe more importantly, we do not pray to impress God. Our ability to pray rests purely in God's goodness, not ours. More on that in just a moment. So we approach God like the helpless children that we are, understanding that we have nothing to bring to the table that God himself hasn't given us. It's not a coincidence that children approach Jesus in the verses immediately following these two parables. In Luke eighteen fifteen through 17, little kids come to Jesus, who in the ancient world had nothing to offer. That's how we approach God in prayer. We approach him humbly. So again, what is prayer? Calling on the name of the Lord. Why do we pray? Because we have reason to believe that God is merciful to sinners and hears us. And how do we pray? Persistently, but also humbly. We do not give up in prayer. And we do not try to impress God or impress others with our prayers. But what other lessons might be helpful as we try to make 2022 A more prayer-filled year than 2021 was. Well, more often than not, the trouble that we have isn't a lack of information about prayer. It's simply not knowing how to do it. So here are a few practical tips to get started or to continue growing. Number one, use scripture to guide your prayers. Use scripture to guide your prayers. Namely, turn to the Psalms, Israel's prayer book. Psalm 116 would be a good place to start. There's 150 Psalms for just about any situation you find yourself in. Whether you're on top of a mountain, down in the dumps, praising God for his holiness, or confessing your sin, it's all there. And so many of these psalms you can adopt and adapt to your situation. Turn to the psalms and let them guide you in prayer. Of course, you could turn to the Lord's Prayer. You have a crash course straight from Jesus himself about how to pray. We spent multiple weeks learning about the Lord's Prayer in 2020, and those sermons are still available on our website. Turn to the Lord's Prayer if all else fails. And of course, you could read the prayers of the Apostle Paul in passages like Ephesians 1 or Philippians 1 or Colossians 1. You should be praying for beyond just your own personal wants or your personal needs. Again, use scripture to guide you. Tim Keller calls prayer a continuation of a conversation that God has already started. Well, that conversation begins with scripture. So allow scripture to help you continue the conversation in prayer. Second practical tip. It's that you can learn to pray by watching believers around you. There is nothing wrong. There is nothing inauthentic. You are not cheating if you hear or read other people's prayers and use them to inspire your own. Especially if prayer is new for you. One prayer book that I've greatly enjoyed in the past is called The Valley of vision. It's a collection of Puritan prayers that's hundreds of years old. Many of those prayers can inspire you and encourage you and help you as you try to learn to pray. Surround yourself with godly people and listen to their prayers. Let them teach you. Let them guide you. And then the third practical lesson is probably the simplest, but also the most difficult, Just do it. Just do it. Andrew Murray writes, reading a book about prayer, listening to lectures and talking about prayer is very good, but it won't teach you to pray. You get nothing without exercise, without practice. I might listen for a year to a professor of music playing the most beautiful music, but it won't teach me to play an instrument. Just do it. Take the steps needed to form this new habit to the point that not praying is as unthinkable for you as not having your morning coffee. Pick a time, pick a place, and stick with it. And if you don't know what to say right away, that's okay. Paul says in Romans 8.26 that the Holy Spirit helps us when we do do not know what to pray as we ought. John Piper writes, Unless I'm badly mistaken, one of the main reasons so many of God's children don't have a significant prayer life is not so much that we don't want to, but that we don't plan to. If you want to take a four-week vacation, you don't just get up one summer morning and say, hey, let's go today. You won't have anything ready. You won't know where to go. Nothing has been planned. But that is how many of us treat prayer. We get up day after day and realize that significant times of prayer should be a part of our life, but nothing's ever ready. We don't know where to go. Nothing has been planned. No time, no place, no procedure. And we all know that the opposite of planning is not a wonderful flow of deep, spontaneous experiences in prayer. The opposite of planning is the rut. If you don't plan a vacation, you will probably stay home and watch TV the natural unplanned flow of spiritual life sinks to the lowest ebb of vitality. There is a race to be run and a fight to be fought. If you want renewal in your life of prayer, you must plan to see it. Just do it. Sometimes that's the push that we need. And lastly, I would encourage you to remember the great privilege of prayer and to remember the price that was paid for you to have it. You and me, normal, unremarkable people, have a hearing with the God who spoke the world into existence out of nothing. This God invites you to speak to him whenever and wherever you want. Think about that. And this God sent his son to die on a cross for our sins in order that we might be in relationship with him. By Christ's merits, by his body and blood that we just remembered at communion, we have an audience With the God of all creation. The privilege of prayer is great. And the price that was paid for us to have that right. Is not small. The author of Hebrews puts it this way. Chapter 4 verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus the son of God. God welcomes you to draw near to him in prayer to find grace in time of need. Think about that right. Think about that privilege. Think about the price that was paid for us to have this privilege of prayer. Now we mentioned earlier that in Genesis 3, God has a plan to bring sinful humanity to the of that plan. Because of him, the great high priest who has passed through the heavens. You can approach God in prayer with confidence right now. No matter how flowery your language might sound, no matter how experienced or inexperienced you may be, you can approach God in prayer right now. And keep in mind that one day you will approach God directly. J. Gary Millar says, Prayer is an interim measure. Prayer is what we do now until God intervenes to straighten everything out. Prayer is God's gift to help us cope with life with him in the mess. A world where we ache and get distracted and struggle with sin and fail repeatedly. Prayer is designed for a world in which we hurt people and get hurt, where we let God down and ignore him, even though we belong to him. Prayer is a temporary balm in a world where we so often feel cut off from him, where we feel alone and discouraged and frustrated. But prayer will not always be necessary. Speak to God through prayer while you still can. Practice this spiritual discipline now for your good in preparation for the day when you will speak to God face to face. Use this tool that God has given you now and in 2022 to grow in godliness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you that every single Sunday, near the beginning of a sermon and at the end of a sermon, I can pray to you the way that I am, and that we can come together and pray to you on Sunday mornings. And I pray that we would not take that privilege for granted, that we wouldn't just use prayer as a way to fill in the gaps of a Sunday morning service, that we wouldn't, Treat prayer as just some meaningless routine that we do before a meal. That we wouldn't just use prayer in times of desperation, but that rather you would help us understand how great a privilege prayer really is and how great a gift prayer really is. Lord, I pray that you would grow us in our desire to pray, grow us in our discipline of prayer, because it certainly is a discipline. Lord, I pray that you would make us more like you through prayer, grow us in godliness, help us be holy as you are holy, and use prayer to transform us. Thank you for the great privilege of prayer. Again, Lord, if nothing else, it's worth remembering the price that was paid for us to enter into your presence with such confidence. It was not cheap, and I pray that we wouldn't take it for granted, knowing the cost knowing the price that was paid for us to be reconciled to you. Help us take full advantage and make full use of this great tool that you've given us of calling upon your name and knowing that you hear us. Help us pray persistently. Help us pray humbly. Help us pray faithfully, Lord. Again, we love you. We worship you. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who gives us the privilege of prayer. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps us when we do not know what to pray as we ought. Thank you for your word that can guide us in prayer, teach us to pray. Thank you for your church where we offer so many prayers and where we can learn from our brothers and sisters about how to pray. And thank you that we can come to you with confidence as our Lord, as our Father, and know that you hear us. We love you. We worship you. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.